One of the biggest tests of faith I've ever had was when my first daughter Abigail was born. She came early, three months early, and just over two pounds, and very, very sick. She was on a ventilator, had several IVs, a feeding tube, and jaundice lights. She was, she was just a mess. And the doctors told us to um, probably make funeral arrangements. She wouldn't make it through the first 72 hours. But my wife and I had different plans. We got in touch with all our friends, all our family, and started a massive prayer chain. We had people throughout the country, not just praying, but having their church pray. And this girl was being lifted up. And we were very specific. We started off with just praying that she would breathe on her own and asked people to, to plead with God for that. And a week later, she was off the ventilator. The next step was she developed a brain bleed. And we prayed and prayed, and a few days later, there wasn't a sign of it. Then they told us that she had to have open heart surgery because there was a flap in her heart that hadn't closed correctly. It was the toughest one because um, the thought of having an operation on this little thing, it was just its un unthinkable. So we prayed and we prayed. And again, God came through, as he always does. And a few days later, they came back and it had miraculously, as the doctors put it, closed on its own. We learned a lot of things through this process. I think one of the biggest things was that God is a God that heals. And he is worthy of our, not just praise and worship, but absolute faith. And the image I was given by him was this beautiful little six-year-old, seven-year-old girl running, jumping, playing, do what normal, normal six-year-olds do. And I held on to that. I clung to that when those, those moments came in the hospital when she just stopped breathing and the nurses would, would rush in and, and do everything they could. And that image was like what I held on to. And now she's 10 years old and beautiful and perfect. What my wife and I learned the most, I think, was that he is worthy of not just our worship, but our absolute faith, not because of our circumstances and what's going on in our lives, but because of who he is. He is the God of the universe. He is the God that heals and he is the God that saves. Amen. I want to thank Steve for sharing that story with us today. You know, stories like that encourage our faith. Stories like that show us and reveal to us and remind us that we have a God who can make what seems impossible, possible. Now, we know this, that not every story ends with God healing miraculously. Uh, not every person that has prayed that, that somebody would be healed has found that healing in, in their time here on this earth. And, but, but here's what we trust and here's what we understand is that God says, come to me with faith because God can and God often does. And then trust me with what I bring out of that situation. Because here's what I believe is that sometimes the, the miracle isn't just the outcome. It's how God gets us through what we're going through. And one of the things I love about that story is how Steve's talking and he says, God gave him an image. He gave him a picture. When all he could see was desperation in front of him, when all he could see was sickness and all he could see was, was maybe the negative what ifs of, of what might happen, God gave him an image, an image of what could be, an image of what God could do. And that image of what God could do, that image of faith was what got he and his wife through that difficult time. And God, in God's timing, and in God's way, brought healing and brought faith to their life. See, God uses our imagination, our ability to picture what we've not yet seen to increase our faith. And today we want to talk as we continue this series called Daring Faith the key to miracles, how we can live our lives with, with faith in, in incredible, incredible ways. We want to begin today and talk today about this challenge of daring to imagine. 
of daring to imagine, daring to allow God to birth in us dreams and pictures and, and aspirations that aren't based on what we can see, but based upon what he can do. You know, our imagination, our ability to think, to create, to be creative is a gift of God. And like any gift of God, we can choose what we want to do with that gift. And we can use our imaginations, our ability to dream for good, or we can use it for bad. We can use it to do what God wants us to do or to do the opposite of what God would want us to do. And the Bible talks to us about this idea of what does it mean to truly imagine? Here's what I want you to do. Take out your message notes this morning because even if you're not a person that normally takes notes, I want to give you these message notes because I believe that if these if they don't maybe apply in certain situations now, they will one day. And I want to share with you this morning the connection and relationship between our ability to imagine in our imagination and our faith and how, how the ability to, to, to dare to imagine is part of what it means to live our lives with daring faith. Well, so as we begin, let's talk about this word imagine. What does it mean to imagine? Well, to imagine is to form a mental image, to think, to believe, to picture. It's the ability to see that which is not quite there for us to see with our physical eyes. And the Bible talks about imagination in three categories. One, it says there are some things that we should not imagine, that we should not use our ability to create, our ability to, to think, our ability to dream about certain things. One of those would be worry. Worry is a misuse of our imagination. Uh, lust is a misuse of our imagination. Revenge and vengeful thoughts are a misuse of our imagination. So God says there are some things, listen, you shouldn't imagine. There are other things that you can't imagine, that you can't imagine. That as, as, as much as we want to try to grasp the, the idea of the universe, we're never going to fully be able to grasp the idea of how big the universe is. When it comes to that, what we know about God, God has revealed so much, but there is still a, a level that we will never understand about God this side of heaven. There, there's, there's a depth of understanding of what God's love really is that we just can't imagine. And so there are things that we shouldn't imagine. There are things that we can't imagine, but there are also things that we need to imagine. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. Look with me at Philippians chapter uh, chapter four, verses eight and nine, uh, Paul writes this to the Christians in a place called Philippi. It says, and now dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you have learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. So the Bible says, listen, fix your thoughts, think on, imagine, dream, consider, meditate, and meditate and think about these types of things. That there are some things that we should allow God to birth in our heart and give us the imagination to grasp. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. About the relationship between your ability to dream, your ability to imagine, and the ability and the call to live with daring faith. And here's what we're going to do is I want to share with you this morning eight truths that we need to understand if we're going to dare to imagine. Eight simple things, or not really simple things, but eight just very, very foundational things that we understand. And here's the reality. Every single one of these could probably be an entire sermon. And we're just going to hit these and we're going to move pretty quick because I just want to introduce these ideas to you because then I want to share with you what I believe God is imagining for River Club Church over the next couple of years. And so here's the important thing though. And here's the bottom line. I want you to write this down. Here's the big idea for today. Is that daring faith, that faith that we're striving to have in our life, that daring faith is imagining God's best and then believing it's possible. It's imagining God's best, even when we can't necessarily see it. And it's believing that God can do it, that it can be made possible. And so there's eight things that we need to understand about daring to imagine. First one is this, write this down, is that my imagination shapes my life. Is that my imagination shapes my life. 
that what we think about affects the way that we feel and the way that we feel oftentimes affects what we do. That there's a direct connection between our thoughts and our actions. That what we think about, what we focus on, what we dream about, what we dare to imagine, that directly affects the things that we are gonna do with our life. Look at Proverbs 23, seven. The Bible says, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. So what you think in your heart, it will determine what you actually do in your life. And the Bible uses heart to talk about that, that deep inside. And so we talk about thinking, imagining. We don't always just imagine with our mind. We imagine with our heart, that core of who we are. And the Bible says that, listen, as you think, that is what becomes. That's who you become. And so the Bible says that we need to be careful to guard our heart. Look at Proverbs 4.23. It says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Guard what you think about. Guard your thoughts. Guard your dreams. Guard your, 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 what you fixate on. What you bring into your life. Because it will affect your life. It will eventually come from the inside out. And so the first thing we understand is that our thoughts, our imaginations, they shape our life. You know, the difference between a person that can do something and can't do something is oftentimes what they think about that thing they're called to do. If a person says, I can't do this, chances are they're not gonna do it because they've already made up their mind that what they're gonna do is impossible. And it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Well, I can't do this, so why bother? And then you end up not being able to do that. But a person that says, I can do this, or better yet, God can do this, so often what happens is this, is that they begin to believe that, and then God makes that a reality for their life, and then they're willing to do what God believes that they can do, and God says they can do, and they find success because they first began by believing. Their imagination in our life, it shapes who we are. Second thing is this, is that imagining is essential to living by faith. Is that imagining, the ability to picture, to dream, to vision, it's, it, it's, it's essential to live by faith. Because the very definition of what it means to have faith in God is to believe in, in a being that you cannot physically see. To put your faith in Jesus is believing in something that you cannot see right before your eyes. And so much of faith is believing in what you can't see. The Bible says it this way, Hebrews 11.1. 1. What is faith? Well, it's the confident assurance that what we hope for is going to happen. It's the evidence of things we cannot see. So faith in its core requires us to imagine, requires us to think about not what we can just see, but what could be. So faith is essential to our ability to imagine. I heard an interview with a, a guy, Roy Williams, not the basketball coach, but he's, he's a marketing guy. And he says that one of the principles of marketing, of advertising is this, is that a person cannot go anywhere they haven't first been in their mind. And so what marketing does, what commercials do, what advertising does, it wants to create a picture of not what is, but what could be, whether that picture is true or not, Right? Because if they want you to buy their product, to think about what could be, they want you to first go there in your mind. And I think the same is true when it comes to our faith. Because God births in us faith and dreams and visions and imagination, oftentimes long before we actually see those as a reality. So faith is essential to our imagination. Third thing is this, is that great lives are built around great dreams. That great lives are built around great dreams. Anything that's been done significant in our world, anything that is, has changed the, the culture, has changed the, the, the way we do life, any great thing, great invention first began in the mind. It first was imagined before it ever became a reality. Think about the iPod. The iPod revolutionized uh, just the world that we live in. It led to the iPhone, led to the iPad, led to all these different kind of things. Before it was ever a physical product, it existed and was dreamed of in the mind of a man named Steve Jobs. And he took that dream, that image, and he made it a reality. Think about John F. Kennedy and John F. Kennedy's call in our nation back, uh, back in the 60s to, to put a man on the moon. Think about how crazy and outlandish that must have sounded at the time. But he said, listen, here's a dream. Here's a goal. Here's something that 
doesn't seem like it might be possible, but because they believed and their nation believed in the possibility, it happened. Think about Martin Luther King Jr. His famous I Have a Dream speech. He envisioned a, a, a culture and a future that we're still not fully there with. But it was a dream that so inspired him that he gave his life literally for the cause of seeing that dream become a reality. See, great lives, great lives are, are, are built around great dreams. And this is why Paul prays this in Ephesians 1.18. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in, holy, in his holy people. Paul says, listen, that my prayer is that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Now, what are the eyes of our heart? Well, it's not our physical eyes, it's our imagination. See, there's two ways to see. We can see through physical eyes or we can see through our imagination. And Paul says, listen, I don't want you just to see through physical eyes. I want God to enlighten your life, the eyes of your heart, so that you can begin to dream and envision what it is that God has for you. See, I believe this, that, that every single person has a dream from God planted deep in their heart. That God has a specific purpose, desire, possibility that he wants to birth in and through your life. I believe the same for every church, that every church has a possibility, a dream, a potential that God wants to make a reality through his life and through their faith. But so often we, we, we settle for less than God's dream, than God's desire for our life. But if we choose to, to just live by what we see, we, we recognize that that's not really living. That true life, full life, exciting life, abundant life is when we're not just thinking about what is, but when we're pursuing what could be. The Bible says this way, Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there's no vision, the people perish. Where there's no vision, no imagination, no dreaming of something bigger, no, no, no pursuit of what could be, then there's no life. That, that life is just perishing. Life is just not fulfilled. And we, we, we all kind of get in that place, don't we? where life just becomes the, the, the like Groundhog Day. You just kind of do the same thing over and over and over again, right? And you go to the same office, you do the same task, you see the same people, you, may drive, you drive the same route, you sit in the same traffic, and it's kind of like life just sucks life out of you, right? It's just like your life is sucking the, the, the life out of you. Well, sometimes it's because we have no vision, is that all we're focused on is what's directly in front of us instead of what God could possibly be calling us to to bring new meaning and purpose to our life. So listen, great lives are built around great dreams. But here's why it's so important though, not just to think about the dream that you might have, but to seek the dream that God has for your life. And this is number four, because God's dream for my life is bigger than my dream. That God's dream for my life, God's dream for your life, God's dream for our church, it's bigger than our dream. It's bigger than just what maybe we want, what maybe we see as a possibility. And so we need to not just search after our dream. We got to look at what God's dream might be for us. Look at Ephesians 3.20. It says, God can do anything, you know far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us, his spirit deeply and gently within us. The Bible says, listen, as big as your dream might be, as big as your goals might be, whatever your definition of success, as crazy as that may seem, whatever that might be, God's dream, God's purpose, God's plan, his desire, his vision for your life, his vision for our church is so much larger than ours could ever be. That the most we could imagine doesn't compare to what God has in store for us. But when we simply pursue our plans, our dreams, our visions, and we don't go after what God has for us, I believe we settle for less than the best. Listen, God directs our life. 
when I was growing up and I was in college, I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. I mean, I wanted to do everything. I wanted to be a coach. I wanted to be a doctor. I wanted to be a trainer. I wanted to be a marine biologist. I wanted to like train Shamu. Like, I mean, like, I, mean I, I thought about everything, seriously. And, and I, I was struggling. And I told this story before. My junior Christmas of college, I went back and, and, and my advisor, academic advisor called me into the office and they said, Zach, you are not allowed to register for another class at Hardin-Simmons University until you declare a major. They were like, you cannot come back to school until you decide where you're going to go with your life. Like I had not been trying, right? I had been trying. I had no idea. And so I, I said, you know what? I kind of prayed about it and thought about it. I said, you know what? All right, here's what I want to do. I'm going to be a lawyer. My grandpa was a judge. He was a lawyer. I, I'm a lot like my grandpa. I, you know, I'm analytical. I, I like, you know, I just, I said, this is, okay, this is what, this is the thing. Well, I'm going to lock in on this. And so I declared a major and started moving forward. And part of it was I took one of those aptitude tests and it said, okay, your top two things are a lawyer or a ski instructor. And I lived in Texas. <laughs> okay, well, I don't want to let him move, so I'll, I'll be a lawyer. All right, everything just pointed me to be a lawyer. Six months later, God totally changed those plans. He totally changed those plans. Six months later, God said, you know what? No, no, here's what I want for you. You're going to be a pastor. You're going to be a minister. And, and that's what I'm going to do for your life. And listen, I, I never could have imagined what God was going to have me do. I never had any desire to be a lead pastor, ever. I saw my lead pastor growing up, and I thought, his life is awful, right? I mean, number one, he's got to stand up in front of people every single week, and I hate talking in front of people. Like, everybody's always mad at him about something, right? It's like, I don't want to, I, I don't want to live that life. You know what? God had plans for me that were different than my plans. And now I look back and say, what? Look, I look at all this stuff that I would have missed, good and bad. But how God has grown my faith and what he's done through me and our family and in me and our family because I chose his plan over mine. See, his dreams are always bigger than our dreams. They're always bigger than our dreams. And so we need to focus in on that. The fifth thing is this, is that doubt is the enemy of imagination. That doubt is a dream killer. Doubt will kill your dreams. Doubt will, will destroy your faith. Doubt will neutralize any passion you have to pursue the dreams of God. Because it takes courage to dream. It takes courage to ask God and say, God, what do you have for me? And the answer is going to be yes. Before I know the answer, the answer is going to be yes. I'm going to pursue you. I'm going to do what you want me to do. It takes great courage. And God commands us time and time again in scripture to not be afraid, but to have courage. And courage at its core is this. Courage is, is doing the thing that you fear the most. So if the dream that you feel God is leading you to pursue causes you to be afraid, that's exactly where you need to be because if there's no fear, there's no place for courage. You ever thought about that? Why is it God would call you to do something that is scary? Because if you're not scared, you don't need courage. But see, doubt, doubt can destroy our dreams. It can crater our courage. And we need to understand that, listen, we can't let doubt overwhelm us. We can't let doubt overwhelm us. Look at James 1, 5 through 7. It says, but if any of you needs wisdom, you should ask God for it. He is generous to everyone and will give you wisdom without criticizing it. Look at verse six. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. So when you ask God to fulfill this dream, to give you the, the desire of your heart, to pursue the things that you believe he's calling you to, the Bible says, listen, don't doubt. Because when you doubt, you're like a, a wave of the sea blown up and down by the wind. Since such doubters are thinking two different things at the same time, they cannot decide about anything they do. They should think, they should not think they'll receive anything from the Lord. See, if we're going to ask and then we're going to immediately doubt, if we're going to trust and immediately question, then we're not going to be anchored to, to anything solid. And we're going to be blown from whatever doubt, whatever fear, whatever thing comes, comes next. And if, if we feel confident, then we'll be all about pursuing that dream. But if there's a, a problem that comes in, we're going to all of a sudden be afraid and not want to go forward. 
And that the circumstances and our feelings are going to dictate what we choose to do instead of saying, my faith will dictate my direction. So listen, don't doubt. But it's hard because we struggle to not doubt, right? One of my favorite stories in scripture is a story found in Mark chapter 9. It's of a, of a man who has a son who's sick. And the man comes to Jesus and the man asks Jesus to heal his son. Look at verse 23 to 24. It says, the man said, please heal my son if you can. Jesus replied, what do you mean if I can? Anything is possible if a person believes. The father replied, I do believe, but help me not to doubt. Some translations say, I do believe, but help my unbelief. And I love that story because that story is me. That story is me. God, I, I believe you can do this. God, I have faith. But God, I need your help because I'm starting to doubt. God, I, I need you to strengthen my faith because doubt's creeping in. And I can't tell you the number of times in my life that I've said, God, I believe you can do this. God, I have faith in where, where, you're, where you're headed. I have faith in what you're calling me to do. But God, doubts creeping in and, and I need you to meet me in that place. And I need you to fill the gap. And what's interesting is what was Jesus' response to the man? He said, listen, anything is possible for those who believe. The man said, I believe, but I'm struggling. And Jesus said, that's enough, and he healed his son. Listen, you don't have to eliminate all questions before you choose to follow Jesus. You don't have to remove every doubt that could ever pop into your head for God to use you and birth in you an incredible dream of what he has. See, because Jesus gives us grace, and, and, and grace is found in between where we are and where we need to be. And Jesus says, this is where I'm gonna step in. And even though you believe and you're asking for faith, I'm gonna give you that faith. I'm gonna meet you there. But we need to pursue that faith and not pursue the doubt because doubt will destroy our dreams. It's the enemy of imagination. Well, if doubt's the enemy, then what fuels us? Well, look at this. Number six, God's spirit and God's word fuel our imagination. His spirit and his word are the things that fuel our imagination, that, that cause us to think and to dream big dreams when it comes to God, to pursue what could be, not just what we see. Look at John 14, 16, and 17. Jesus said, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper who will be with you forever. That helper is the spirit of truth. You know him because he lives with you and will be in you. As a follower of Jesus, we have God's spirit, his very presence in our life. And that spirit is the spirit of truth. It's the spirit that directs us into what's true, directs us in the direction we need to go. Jesus calls him the counselor. He's the one that helps point us in the right direction, helps us discern what his dream for our life really is. But we've got to allow God's spirit to fuel us that when we pursue what God has for us and things become difficult, that we don't focus on the difficulties, but we focus on the God who called us and the spirit who directs us. But not just his spirit, his word, the Bible, fuels our imagination. Look at Psalm 119, 18 and 27. It says, open the eyes, open my eyes to see the wonderful truths in your law. Help me understand the meaning of your commands and I will meditate on your wonderful miracles. Listen, the Holy Spirit is the one who guides us and directs us and reveals to us the truth. But the Bible is the place that's the source of our truth. If you want to know what God would dream for your life, you have to begin with what he tells us in the Bible. If you want to know which dream is more honoring to God, which direction you need to pursue in your life, well, you got to go back to the, the compass, to the Bible, and say, God, which direction would you say is best? And then, Holy Spirit, help me and guide me in living that out in my life. That's why it's so important that you spend time with God on a daily basis. That's why we've been pushing throughout this Daring Faith series and this campaign. We said, listen, go get a study guide. Do the 40 days of these daily devotions, these daily readings, so that every single day your life with God, your faith in God, your pursuit of the dreams he has for you, the purposes in your life, that he can fuel you through his spirit and through his word. 
And the goal is that when these 40 days are over, that you'll develop this habit or you'll strengthen this habit of going to God on a daily basis and God saying, listen, let me pour into you the power and the vision that you need to keep pursuing the things that I have for you. Listen, if you don't have one of those study guides, we have a table in the back. It's called, it says Campaign Central. Stop by and grab one. It's not too late to begin and jump in on this journey of this Daring Faith series that we're in because God speaks to us on a daily basis. And when he does, he fuels our imagination. Number seven, write this down. Growing my character will clarify my vision. Listen, if you're struggling to to know God's dream for your life, to know God's purpose for your life, if you're trying to determine and decide which direction God's calling you to go and you feel like you're just not getting anywhere, you feel like God's just not clear, I feel like I'm looking through like mud-covered glasses. I'm just, I'm not quite there yet. God, just give me that certainty. One of the things that you need to possibly consider and we have to think about is this, is that maybe we need to quit pursuing the answer and begin to pursue the one who's gonna give the answer. Because see, we, we have this thing that happens in life where, especially those of us who grew up in church, we wanna know what the Bible says is God's will. His, his plan, his purpose for our life. And we can sometimes make God's will, this understanding of God's specific purpose, actually the God that we worship more than the God who is calling us to whatever that's going to be. And so what we need to do is we need to understand that, that the more we grow in our faith, the more mature we are spiritually, the more we, we connect with God in this relationship, the more clarity we're going to find in what the dream might be. And so if you find that there's a murkiness in God's dream and God's not giving you that clear direction, take a step back and say, God, okay, I don't want to pursue the answer. I want to begin by first pursuing you. Because see, sometimes God doesn't make the the next step clear. He doesn't make the promise a reality, the dream become an actual thing. Because if he did, we would be so overwhelmed by it that it wouldn't be a blessing for our life. Sometimes God doesn't give us the the, the promises that he has for us, the things he's revealed to us on our timing, because if he did, what was intended to be a blessing would actually be a, a curse. Because sometimes if we rush God, we're not prepared for what that blessing will give to our life. And we're not at a place spiritually in our maturity and our faith to handle that well. And so if you feel stuck, that this dream is not becoming a reality, this, 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 this questioning and searching of what's next is not becoming clear, shelf the what's next and put your focus on growing in your relationship with God. Because in my life, there's been several times where I'm pursuing God for an answer, for an answer, for direction. And God said, listen, quit pursuing that and begin to pursue me. And as I put that secondary and I put my faith in God primary, as I grew in my faith, as I matured in my faith, that became a more natural answer. So do the last thing that God told you to do. Be where you are. Pursue him and he'll bring clarity to that vision, to that dream, to that question that you have. Next one is this, number eight. If a dream is from God, it will be connected to his church and his plan for the world. One of the biggest things we need to understand about the dreams that God will give us are the dreams that God will give to us are not primarily about us. They're not primarily about what we want, what will be best for us, what what will make our lives easier. It's primarily about God's church and God's plan for the world. That's why so often sometimes when God gives us a dream or a vision and we begin to pursue that, why life actually gets harder. Because it's not always about our comfort. It's not always about making our life easier. It's about God using us to be the the, the part of his bigger plan and bigger connection. Jesus said it this way in Mark 8.35. He said, if you try to keep your life for yourself, you're going to lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you're going to find it. 
The one true purpose, our true purpose, the dream that God has given you, the focus is not gonna be on you. Think about Jesus, God's plan, his dream, his purpose for Jesus was that Jesus would give his life for a greater picture, for a greater story. If you're pursuing your best, what's best for you, what's easiest for you, what's gonna make your life easier, it probably isn't the dream that God has for you because it's ultimately not about you. And sometimes we settle for what we believe to be best instead of God's very best. And so my prayer is this, that God would awaken in you the dreams that he has for your life. That what daring faith could bring if you really pressed in to follow him and you began to imagine. In the next few minutes, here's what I wanna do is, is I wanna share with you not just the, the dreams that you have and speak to those, but I wanna share with you the dreams that I believe God has for River Club Church. See, daring faith is about your faith growing, about my faith growing, about, about us awakening to God's purpose and his plan for us as individuals, but it's more than that. It's about what I believe God is dreaming for our church, imagining for our church, the what could be of River Club Church over the next couple of years. And, and as, as, as we as a spiritual leadership team, the, the, the group that I'm a part of that, that has been chosen by the church to provide spiritual direction, to kind of put the guardrails out there to make sure that we as a church are going the right direction. As we were thinking about daring faith, we were praying that God was listening. So God, help us to dream your dream for our church. Help us to see, God, what could be over the next two years at River Club if we truly begin as individuals and as a church to embrace a life of daring faith. And God led us to five faith goals, five faith goals, five outcomes, five realities, five possibilities that God can make become real in his timing and in his way. The picture of what we believe, what I believe God wants to do in our church. And I want to share those with you today. And we'll talk more about those because I want you to begin to dream with me. Not just about what God can do in you, but what God can do through you and through our church. And these five faith goals, they spell out the, the word faith. So it's kind of easier to remember. But let's go through these pretty quick. And, and we'll talk more about them later. But I want to share with you share with you these things. The first one is this is that we're praying and we believe that, that, that God is gonna grow our church. He's gonna fill our church with 700 people each weekend as we grow stronger in worship. That God is gonna fill our church on a weekend basis, on a weekly basis with 700 people as we grow stronger in worship. Now, the immediate pushback I know from some is this, is Zach, I don't wanna talk about numbers. I don't wanna be that church that talks about numbers. I don't wanna be that church that talks about numerical goals. But here's the problem. Then you're not being biblical. Because the Bible talks in numbers. Think about it. There's a whole book called Numbers, right? When Jesus fed the 5,000, he fed 5,000. He didn't feed a really big crowd, right? When Jesus fed the 4,000, whole different story. He fed the 4,000. When Peter preached at Pentecost and the Holy Spirit came, the church grew by 3,000 people. In one day. The Bible's not, listen, the Bible's not averse to numbers, but the numbers have to be seen in the right way. That, and here's what I believe is this, is that numbers are okay and they're important because every number represents a person and every person matters to God. And see, River Club Church is not about just the number, it's about the person. And look what God has to say about this in um, Luke 14, 23. He says, urge anyone you find to come so that my house will be full. Urge anyone that you can, that you find to come so my house will be full. Listen, God is not opposed to a full house. God does not care if you have an empty seat on both sides of you so you're more comfortable, right? 
God doesn't care if you have a better parking place because, you know, that's your place and nobody better park there, right? God's not opposed to growing a church. In fact, he wants the church to grow. It's the mission. It's what we've been called to do. And so we want to see that. Now, some might be thinking, okay, 700, is that a very big number? Well, here's the reality. Over the past six years of our church, from 2011 to currently here, our average attendance has been around 460 people. We're about that same for 2016. So you're looking at a 34% increase over the next two years that we would find 200 plus more people that God would bring here to join us in our pursuit of a life with Jesus. That's the first goal. Second goal is this, is that we want God not just to grow us in that way, we want God to advance our generosity, to advance the generosity of our church through $1 million given in faith commitments over the next two years. That God would use this church and advance our generosity, to grow our generosity through through $1 million over the next two years through our Daring Faith Project. Now, what's that all about? Why would God need to do that? Well, because we have an opportunity and a challenge financially as a church. Some of you guys don't know, you're new to the church, it's kind of just talking house a little bit here, right? A little family meeting. We have a a mortgage uh, of $2.6 million that we owe on this current facility. Right now, we pay 50% of that every month. And Charlotte Street, the the campus that, that, that through faith founded us, still pays 50% of that. My desire, what I believe to be the good thing for us to pursue is for us as a, as a church, as a campus, to become financially self-sufficient. And why this is important is, is for two reasons. One is because when we pay down our debt, reduce our debt to a more manageable place, or God willing, pay that off sooner than we think we can, then it frees us up to have the flexibility and the freedom to respond to what God might say is next. How God wants to continue to increase our ministry and grow our church. Right now, because of the financial situation we're in, we're limited in what we can do. The second part is this, is that River Club, uh, Charlotte Street, they've made that commitment. They've stepped out in faith. But you know what? It's time that we remove that commitment from them so that they can think big dreams about what's next for their campus as well. And part of that is this, is we're a church that's nine years old. It's our time to grow up. It's our time to step up. See, Charlotte Street, and the story's incredible. We'll talk more about that later on in the campaign, but, but what, what God did through the people at Charlotte Street and through their generosity was nothing short of miraculous. And their commitment to us is humbling. It is is something that I'm so grateful for. But I believe as a church, it's time that we step up, that we aggressively say, you know what? This is our burden to take on. And I think it's time. And so how are we gonna look to utilize this million dollars we're praying is given over the next two years? Well, the first way is this, is that the first 10%, is going to be given away. Now, not to you. Don't get excited. It's going to be given away. What do I mean by that? Listen, if we're going to call and, and call us as a church to be generous, we want to practice generosity. And so the first 10% of whatever we get, we're going to invest in, in ministries and projects and opportunities outside the walls of our church. Because we're not just about growing a church. We're about growing the kingdom of God. So the first 10%, potentially, think about this. $100,000 over two years that we can invest in ministries and missions, both locally and globally, all around the world. That can make a huge difference in what God's doing. The next 80% will be invested specifically in reducing that debt that we talked about. The remaining 10% will be used to help update and fix and, and take care of a, a, a nine-year-old facility with nine-year-old equipment. And so we're praying that God will advance our generosity through our church do a two-year faith commitment to do that. And we'll talk more about that in this, as we keep going in the series. The third one is this, is that we believe that God is going to increase our small group involvement from 40% to 60% of those who attend River Club. Well, why is that important? Well, because we believe that we're better together. 
We believe that God never intended you, never intended me to live out our faith by ourselves in isolation. And so we're celebrating because through daring faith, through these seven weeks, we launched 31 groups and we have over 220 people involved in community, living life together, experiencing the, the blessing of what it means to have people in your life that are praying for you, that are encouraging you, that are challenging you. And we want to see that continue. And so we're committed to creating better opportunities, more opportunities for you to be involved in small groups throughout the course of your time here at River Club. And so that's one of the things we believe that God is going to have to help us do. And we're going to trust him to do that. The the next one, the T, is that we want to train 75% of our people to serve and become involved in ongoing ministry and missions. That God will use this church to train and to equip and to release people to serve on a regular basis. Because if you want to grow in your faith, you've got to serve. If you want to limit what God can do in growing your faith, growing your relationship with him, then don't serve anybody else. But I believe that God wants us all to serve. He's gifted us all to serve, and we want to be able to do that. And the last one is this, is H, to help 200 people experience new life in Jesus and share this publicly through baptism. So listen, go back to that 700 number. What we don't want to do and what we're not interested in being as a church is is what some people call a sheep stealer. Here's what I mean by that. We don't want to grow our church to 700 people by simply having people from other churches come and join our church. If it happens and God calls some people here, we're not going to kick them out. That's not our goal. And you can see that because if we're going to grow by 260, 250 some odd people, we're wanting 200 of those people to be people who are putting their faith in Jesus for the very first time. That we want to see God grow his kingdom, not just grow our church. And the way that's going to happen is that we're going to have to become people who invite, who create a culture of invitation, who really say and begin to practice more and more our mission to be a, uh, be a church where all people can experience life in Jesus. And so listen, those five things, are, are they not the end? But I believe they're the beginning of this next chapter in the life of River Club Church. It's what I believe God could do. It's what I believe God could, could, could make a reality if, if we'll put our faith in him, if we'll follow him in obedience, if we'll learn to be generous and we'll learn to be filled and, and committed. And, and God can do this and God can do even more. But not so that we can sit back and say, look how great our church is. But we can say, you know what? God did this. Because here's what God says. Here's what Jesus says in Matthew 16, 18. He says, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Who's going to build the church? Jesus. Jesus is the one who has to build his church. We're simply the ones who in obedience are used by him to help do whatever he has in mind. So listen, daring to imagine is not just about your life. It's also about our church. But if we're going to live with daring faith, we've got to be people who are committed to learning to imagine God's best and believe it can be possible. Pursue it as though this is something that you can really attain. That's daring faith. And there's three questions I want to leave you with very quickly as you pursue, as we pursue. God, what dream are you awakening in me? The first one is this is we need to ask the question, what if? What if? God, what if you did this? God, what if you did that? God, what if I could do that? And be open to the new possibilities. Don't box God into how you think he should do what he's gonna do. Listen, God, if he's gonna do these things, he's gonna do this in a way that we're not thinking about yet. I believe it 100%. Because if we think we're going to just keep doing the same things and get a different result, that's the definition of insanity. And I ain't that crazy. God's going to have to lead us to do things differently in our lives and in our church. And we've got to be open to the new possibilities, to the what ifs. 
The second one is this, is not just what if, but why not? What do you see in the world that's not being done? Why is it not being done? What's not being done well? What's not being done enough? What's the problem in the world that you believe you could actually make a difference in? And say, God, why isn't it being done? Why not? God, what if this happened? Well, why is it not happening? And the third one is this, is why not me? Why not me? God, why not me? Why not use me? Why not say, you know what? I'm an ordinary person. But God, what I learned through your scripture is this, is that you use ordinary people to do extraordinary things. So God, why not me? Well, if we have faith, there's no reason why not us. But if we're not willing to live with daring faith, that can hinder us from being a part of what God wants to do. Listen, daring faith is imagining God's best and believing it's possible. And so here's the question I want to leave you with today. Here's our takeaway. Am I letting the size of my God determine the size of my goals? Are you letting the size of your God determine the size of your goals? Are you dreaming the dreams that God is giving you? Are you imagining what God could possibly do based upon how big he is or how big you are? Because his dream for you, his dream for me, his dream for River Club Church is always going to be greater than ours. Are you willing to dream the big dreams because you serve a great big God? And if we do that, imagine the possibilities. Let's pray together. Father God, I come to you in this moment. And God, I thank you that you're a God of big dreams. You're a God who has given us the ability to, God, not just be able to look at your truth and see what you promised, but God, to visualize that, to imagine it. And God, I pray for every single person in this room in this moment. God, number one, would you grow our faith? Would you increase our vision? Would you awaken us to the dream and the purpose that you have for our life? God, not our dream, but God, your dream for us. Would you awaken us, God, to the purpose and plan and possibility you have for River Club Church and the role that you want us to play? And God, we want you to move in a way where we can't take credit. And so God, as we sing this song, would you reveal to us, God, where you wanna awaken us, how you want us to dare to imagine, and God, what you want us to pursue. And give us the courage to commit to it, God, because in you and through you, we can do so much more than we could ever imagine on our own. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing to him.